And welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast. This is episode number 72. I am your host, Joe Zakreski, joined by Eddie Kayazo. Hi, Ed. How are you? Joe, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, buddy. And guess what? We've got a guest with us this week. We do. And and what's made the Red River Horror Podcast so much fun for so many people, I just wanted to let you know, we did crack the top 50. Yay! Um, back at four. it. Four four or five times and most of the times when we do that when we crack the top 50 it's because of an interview yes so we have a very special guest today one i'm very excited about because she's from philly yes and we've been talking about it's just like it's gonna be exciting by the time we get this person on so we want (laughs) to All right, so it's Brooke Lewis Bellis, everybody from philadelphia welcome to the program brooke miss vampy herself is on the show Thank you so much, Eddie, Joe, and Red River Horror. Really, I say this with with all my heart and honesty in Hollywood here. I'm a Philly chick through and through. You know this. And you guys have represented from Philly to Hollywood so many times for me, all our films, all our web series, everything horror. And I'm so eternally grateful. That said, if I could just take a quick brief moment, and I know you guys are totally down to join me and we discussed this briefly and I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up. So before we get into some super fun, let's take a moment, everyone, listeners, I, I'm going to get upset again, but um, my one of my best friends in the world, one of my favorite directors and collaborators, Stacey Lane Wilson, and she's, you know, one of our people. And I know you guys made a post, as did I, and yesterday her incredible, famous, talented, musician, iconic amazing dad and that's don wilson from the ventures passed on i like to say passed over to better better a better place (laughs) and so i just want to take one moment for us and the listeners to pay a tribute and prayer to the late great don wilson out of respect for stacy lane wilson who i love like my family and so i know she's having a challenging time right now and had to head over to Seattle for the weekend. So we are holding this interview the following day. So just a quick moment of prayer, please. Thank you guys. Thanks so much for honoring that. I know you wanted to do it too. We talked about it and we love you, Stacy, and we are sending you love through the, the airwaves here. And we can't wait until you are healed and we have you back. No, well said, yeah, Brooke. Well said. Yeah, we uh, in Philadelphia for sure. Uh, it's it's we saw Don Wilson on the stage, and I think I spoke with to Stacy about this on the Philadelphia stage of American Bandstand, uh, introducing the world to that California sound. So, so I like to look at it this way, Brooke. The guitar gods collected Don Wilson. They said, you know what? It's time for you to come back and rock up here, and uh, you know, because you're one of the one of the greats. So I love that. I saw that in your post too. And that's my <laughs> philosophy is like, let the music play. Speaking <laughs> of music. And I keep mm-hmm. saying that too. In fact, shout out to Darren Gordon Smith. And I know we're going to get into a lot of conversation sure. about the second age of Aquarius later, but you know, mm-hmm. I keep saying that too, to Darren Gordon Smith, who you're going to have on, who's our, one of our writers and composers. And, you know, I keep explaining to him, like, I'm like, you don't understand dude. Like, 
Philly is the music town. You know, I think so many people think of like Detroit and they think of present day, you know, as more LA and New York and now Nashville. And, but like, I don't think people understand. And I'm such, you know, I'm such a proud Philly chick. I <laughs> named my production company Philly Chick Pictures, right? And I've been in Hollywood for 20 years. But like, I keep explaining, like, Philly is the OG music town, right? I like to think so. I think so. I mean, this is where the Rock and Hall of Fame should be if it was yeah, well, in the right spot. But my dad's still bitter about that. He won't. Go, he will not go to the one in Cleveland because we lost out on that bid. It should be here because this yes. is where Bandstand was. I mean, it, yes, it started. Cleveland, man. What? But anyway, you guys, so. can I just say this? Now I'm going to totally be a Philly chick. And, you know, you could take the girl out of Philly, but you can't take Philly out of the girl. <laughs> 20 years in Hollywood, and I still am a bull buster. And, like, you guys, I love listening to your show. Oh, I heard, you. I listened to your whole, yeah, I listened to your whole scream assessment, okay. which I'm um, such a scream, you know, we're like from the same era. like, I'm such a scream chick, too. And, Oh my God. And I die because I miss you guys so much and I miss Philly so much. And I sit and I listen to the accent, which I worked so hard to get rid of when I came to Hollywood, especially. <laughs> right. So, but I love it. It's like talking to my friends and family back home, my real people, my soul people. And you guys are like, what do you, when are you going to the thing? You know, it's like, I'm going, like I love, I call friends, we're going down the shore. I'm like, Oh my God, I miss home so much. <laughs> well, that, that that's what's so funny is, so I just want to go back in time just a little bit. So we know each other only through Stacy. Like that's the only way we've we've met, you know, via online and and all the social media, all that fun stuff. But there was a film that you had to have been in back in 2015. So Joe and I, we are not filmmakers or were not at that time. Can't say, you know, we've everything we've done. We got an award. We did get an award. So so we created a, we were tasked by the film office and this company called Tent Square at the time to come up with a Philadelphia challenge that was centered around Rocky like everything else. But so it had to include horror elements. It had to include um, sci-fi. sci-fi. So, so we made, <laughs> we made a Rocky seven trailer that was 30 seconds long. Long story short, that got picked up. So the winning trailers they, they lasted 30 seconds the winning ones actually got to air before movies that were screening at the uh first glance film festival first glance film festival that's right and um stop it yes i don't know this so so i mean that, that's like my philly family too you know bill ostroff and i go back i mean people don't know this there's a spoiler alert do you know that i had just moved to hollywood like 2003 and bill hired me to help produce the first glance film festival los angeles at raleigh studios uh, get out of here look at that no joke that's see? how far back we go it's such a see it's such a small philly family so that's but what i'm Bill's saying my buddy so that's yeah. what, so we it's funny that you know through the horror space when i founded red river horror in 2017 met stacy and um she introduced us to you and it's just funny, but back then I remember. So, what film would it have been around that time that would have been at first glance Philly back in 2015? Do you remember? So, I had nothing at first glance Philly in 2015. My last first glance Philly premiere was a comedy titled Half New Year that I played one of the roles in, which I love, with Drew McEnany, who's also from Philly. And he was the lead. And we shot it out here in Hollywood with amazing talent. And so we premiered that. We had our Philly premiere in 2019. Wow. In fact, 
just before the pandemic. So that mm. was my last first glance. Now, so I'm trying to think. I, I, I want to say almost. We saw you, you yeah. either on a screen or in person, something. I, I'm telling you. Could have been. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, here's the thing, though. I think we for so i think you guys covered i was trying to think like did did stacy introduce us or had you guys covered one of my films prior to stacy and then i believe and in fact i know for a fact because you were so generous and kind with your comments and critiques on psychotherapy the short film that stacy and i shot yes. that i hired her to write and direct for us in we shot that in 2016 that i started with ricky dean logan that was so good and so yeah. chilling and so like a revenge type of like women revenge and stacy wrote me one of my favorite roles of my acting career <laughs> And Amazon, I mean, it's it's on Amazon Prime to this day. Like it, it got picked up. It got some serious. It won tons of awards. So you guys had covered psychotherapy, which she also then put into Shevenge. Yeah. Oh. So I'm trying to think. Um, it wouldn't have been at first glance. It, so 2015. So I had The Morning, which is a sci-fi drama beautiful, beautiful indie film um, that stars Louis Mandalore and uh, Michael Walton, Dominique Swain, Larry Hankin from Home Alone, uh, Peter Dobson, great cast. That released end of 2015, 2016, but that was not at first glance. So... Okay. mm -mm. All right. Yeah. So maybe maybe it was organic. Maybe it was was organic. organic. I thought thought for sure. I knew... I, I had known like of you before like from the first mm-hmm. glance world i guess we'll say because yeah. we were because we were th- again mean, we were not really like filmmakers when we did this and it and it mm-hmm. won and it got picked up and we were so excited that it was going to screen before all the big films at first glance at the freaking um tuttleman uh, not the tuttleman the, there's the, the other theater in the franklin institute the, the other theater but yeah. i was still excited. that's amazing first yes. of all that is amazing and again shout out to and i'm like no spoiler alerts but Bill and I are in talks for some fun stuff if if I can ever get my butt and if the spikes stop back to Philly. But um, yeah, I mean, I love, like I'm such a supporter and fan of First Glance. What, you, what it could have been, I do do a lot of like virtual speaking engagements for Bill and First Glance still. You know, okay. any, when they have women in film, women in horror, you know, I've spoken on all those panels. So maybe he aired one of those. I'm not certain, but um, I do have a special place in my heart for First Glance and a testament to you guys because that's like no joke. Like First Glance, it has a uh, very, you know, for an indie film festival, they're very much about support indie filmmakers mm-hmm. and indie artists and they really do keep it at a level. And so I'm I'm very grateful that I've been able to be a part of it for so many years. I mean, I've had films there. My gosh, we had Pride and Loyalty premiered, I think at the one in LA, First Glance LA in like, seriously, I think like 2000. I, four. I mean, that's how long Ooh. I've been a part of First Lands Film wow. Festival, both coasts. Wow. Okay. That's so. Uh-huh. That's so cool. Right. So, so then, just remind me because then, as the year rolls on, then I start forgetting things. But remind me, we got to check back in on First Glance and Bill and all them. We got to, well, yeah, well, do we, a preview or something. We got to, yeah, see what we can. We'll reach out, but also, yeah. you know, with our next project in the works. I mean, that's our goal is First Glance LA. It's true. You're right. It's like that's. Where, oh, that'd be awesome. That's where and, then when, our, and then if next time I have some a film in First Glance Philly, you guys need to come out and you oh, guys absolutely. should really do, you know, and do a show live there. 
That's a great idea. Too. No question about it. We were, like I said, the first time we were psyched. It was the Franklin Institute. We were all, we were all hype. But, um, but yeah. So, so Brooke, that's what's kind of cool is that you are from the area, and it's, you know, we. <laughs> I don't know if this is a complex that I have, but it seems like our region is always overlooked in the arts. It's always overlooked in music. It's always overlooked in the horror community. I think, and yeah. it's, and and it's. I'm trying to say, like, we do, I think we and the city does a good job of talking about itself, but on the world stage. I don't know if we're known like that. So, no. Brooke, why I was excited to talk to you is you do have quite the history in horror and you're from Philadelphia. Could you, I guess, go through some some of the more exciting horror films to you that you've been in? that I've been in. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. You know, it's so interesting because I've had such a unique trajectory in my career. I mean, I started and I'm going to, I got to give props to my hometown. I mean, I started quite young in college, you know, where I was working and when you are a theater arts major, what have you, and then I was going to go to law school, but that's a whole other conversation. Like (laughs) I, you know, I am, and probably a good, uh, wrap around to what you just said, where I wasn't fully supported in the way that, and I'm talking by a city, in the way that I feel a lot of my friends from Los Angeles and New York had been supported in an overall community way, even though we know there is so much opportunity in Philadelphia creatively. And so in college, I mean, those were my opportunities where I was able to, you know, get my start in equity theater at like the Walnut Street Theater School and the Arden Theater Company. And I could like understudy shows and earn points toward my Actors' Equity Association. So I bring that up because there are so many opportunities. I just want to address that. I also started my career, two funny things with Philly, and then I'll get into your horror (laughs) question. So, but I have to shout out to my hometown. This is so fun for me to get to talk to people who understand. So when I was super young in college, I also, well, first of all, when I was like 12 years old, I got my first little big break ready for this one. Mm -hmm. And you guys might even be too young, but Dance Party USA. Dancing on Air and Dance Party USA. When I was a kid, kid, I had my first opportunity to dance on, I was, I auditioned, got chosen and danced on Dance Party USA, which was like the kids dance show back then. So that was like, so cool. It was such a great venue to have for, you know, young artists in Philly. Then from there, a little bit later in college, I had the opportunity to audition for and perform in the great horror segue. My first big theater break there was Six Flags Great Adventure. I know it's Jersey, but it's a Philly thing too. Right, and, right well, kind of, I think it might, yes, but it might have even not even been called Fright Fest back then, I don't even know. And I was in the Warlocks Revenge and it was a show ooh, I was cast ooh. in. Yes, and I was like the, the like maiden, you know, um, she was like the sexy, like, like, I don't even know what you want to call her, like brothel whore or something. And the warlock was coming after. That sounds very <laughs> on brand for Six this, Flags. Right. And very on brand for Brooke Lewis Bella. So, <laughs> but I performed in the show at the Halloween. It was amazing. So it might've been Fright Fest. Yes. Or whatever it's called. So like, those are some of my best memories. So, so who knew that I would end up becoming a famous scream queen many moons <laughs> later. Right. But the horror world 
sort of captured me and what had happened, very, very long story, but long story long, um, I'm good at telling long stories, after going right to New York at 21 out of college and landing after six, busting my ass for six auditions, booked Tony and Tina's wedding off Broadway, equity contract. And when you are, for any of your listeners who are interested in getting into the entertainment industry, you know, it's, it's not all fluff. It is a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And you really need to prove yourself as a moneymaker. And that's when you're taken seriously. Nobody really cares about your talent. I mean, they do. But you know what I'm saying? It's about can you make these agents and managers money? So once that happened for me at a very young age, I was signed with big agents in New York and stuff. So that opened a new world for me. And I started my career in Tony and Tina's wedding, the Italian mobster, you know, comedy wedding. And I was doing a ton of edgy, raw indie films. And then, so never did I think I'd get into horror films. I was just a horror fan. I joke, I'm like, I was a fangirl my whole young childhood, right? So cut to making a living there, up for a bunch of TV shows, moved to New York, which is now 20, I'm sorry, moved to, after New York, moved to LA 20 years ago. And I had done all these edgy films. I had done Broadway. I had done all this like stuff. I had even done a Fox sitcom titled Quintuplets here in Hollywood. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody knew who I was. Didn't matter. <laughs> all of a sudden, right, I do this one. I partner with uh, Ken Del Vecchio, one of the production companies I worked for as an actress in New York prior to moving to Hollywood. And I had gone to Sundance 2004. So this is going to be great for your horror listeners. Sundance 04, I get invited to like at all the parties and what comes out, what releases the original Saw. Yeah. The Saw franchise. Oh, now, yeah. Damn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That and was a I year. am like a... Oh yeah, 2004. I'm like a, you know, again, like a fangirl at the time. And I'm watching and I'm like, okay, I'm a visionary. Like they are on to something. You couldn't even get tickets to get in to see the film. (laughs) People were running out. I was like watching, I'm at Sundance Film Festival partying, watching people run out of the theater and James Wan, right? And so I'm like, huh. So I go back to the production company that wanted me to be their LA liaison that I'd worked for as an actress in New York. And they said, okay, I said, here's the deal. I will produce with you. I will produce, I will help raise financing for this film. You write me one of the lead roles. We surround me with named actors and you need to do a psychological horror thriller like a saw, something edgy and raw, and then we can talk. So that is what happened. They wrote me a film titled Polycarp. That was the original title. So for all you young filmmakers out there, 10% of the time you get to keep your original title and your original story and everything else (laughs) and the rest, you have no choice once it goes to distribution and the real people behind the scenes. So um, the film ends up being changed to long story, but kinky killers. Yes. Kinky killers, which (laughs) I sit here and I go, Oh my God. And at the time I really, I was young still. I really did think it was my first venture into the horror thriller mystery world. And I really did think I'm like, I'm done. My career's like over. I'm in a film titled kinky killers that by the way, the distributor changed, which was universal. And however, here's a good story. So I am starring in this with Oscar-nominated Charles Durning from Dog Day Afternoon and Tootsie. I'm an executive producer. Uh, Michael Prey, who I was a big fan of, from Eddie and the Cruiser, Streets of Fire, Philadelphia Experiment, yes. And Showtime picks it up. So here's how how weird life works and my trajectory into becoming a scream queen. Never did I think, oh my God, I'm going to become a famous scream queen. And Showtime picks this film up, airs it three nights a week for two years straight. 
all of a sudden, now mind you, you heard me, I had done some big mobster movies in New York. I had done the Fox sitcom. I had been on, performed on Broadway. Nobody cared. All of a sudden, this happens. My manager at the time calls and she's like, you need to come to to the office. I go to the office. Now, I think because they changed the title to Kinky Killers, I'm getting fired. I'm never going to get a rep again. My career's over before it started. I get to the office and there's a stack of like sticky notes and paper and fan mail. And I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Suddenly, oh my God, right? You're like, what just happened here? And, you know, I'm like, in my early thirties at the time. And I'm like, okay, how does this happen? And they're like, okay, Brooke, we're getting calls from the horror conventions. They want you to come Uh and be a new, they're calling you the new it scream queen. They want you to come and be a celebrity guest and they're going to pay you $2,000 for the weekend, which to me, that's a, that's a pretty good payday, you know, especially when you're young. Right. And then they're like, and then here's a stack of fan mail that they sent to the office fans sent to the office and did. And I'm like, pinch me. This is insane. So, you know, at that point, and here's how life works and here's how my career trajectory worked after being on a Fox sitcom and Broadway, (laughs) like at this point, right. You're like, okay, you can fight it and go against the current, which we all often do too much, or you can just follow the stream, go with it, embrace it. And that as a horror fan, that's what I chose to do. And continuing the conversation i'll shut up in a second like it led to immediately after that i murders which is one of my Mm. favorites which is a murder mystery thriller that i mean i got to star in opposite tony todd yes man for the horror (laughs) listeners (laughs) and right and the home of tony todd tuesday right here oh that's right right. tony todd tuesday we love that we love that we have to get back to doing that because we kind of like took a break i know um and right we need to like be on that for sure like oh my god Frank Grillo, who ended up becoming like an A-list star, you know, from all yep. from The Purge, and I mean, so many great projects, right? And um, he's the only thing that's good about The Purge. <laughs> ah, sorry, I'm sure. sorry. The one that he was in, yeah. <laughs> and then who, uh, William Forsythe, who has become another horror yeah. staple from Once he Upon has. a Time in America, you know, and like the list goes on and on. So, I mean, that was a blessing. And from that, to get to real quickly the real cult horror of my life and career, the wonderful Greg Lamberson, who's my dear friend and associate to this day, he reached out to me and said, it was 2008 at the time, and he said, I'm about to do a 20-year sort of uh, reunion sequel to my original cult classic from 1988, Slime City. I'm doing Slime City Massacre, and I have Debbie Rashawn, God bless Debbie Rashawn, who's just amazing, attached. I want you to choose one of the other female leads, and I want you to come on and help me produce it, co-produce it, whatever you can do, and that's the deal. So I read it and I'm going, so at this point I'm like, so here I just come off of like, you know, Showtime with Kinky Killers and Stars distributed Eye Murders. And I'm doing this, this, I'm in the midst of producing this mobster feature Sinatra Club, which was huge. And I'm like, Slime City Massacre. Uh, okay. I, I need to read the script. <laughs> right. So you listen to it, right? Right. I mean, let's be honest. Like you listen to the title. You're like, oh my God, what, what is this? 
And, but it was so smart. I love the script. I love the subtext. It's about gentrification. It's, it's campy. It's okay. comedic. It's comedic, wow. comedy, horror, action, but it's actually really smart. And I loved it. And I loved, I fell for Greg Lamberson and his crazy work. And we've been associates too, like ever since. And I've been so blessed. And so Slime City Massacre introduced um, me to this whole other cult classic <laughs> indie horror world. And I ended up, gratefully and i say it humbly winning the b movie award for scream queen of the year and nice. of the year in 2010 for that film so it just exploded from there huh that's so awesome that's so Thank awesome you because like <laughs> like even like when we've been doing things like the podcast and production group that I was, well, I was working with like we were mostly comedy focused and in like the comedy world it seemed like it was like friendly-ish but a lot of like cutthroat yeah, and since like any like conventions we've gone to, festivals we've gone to, everybody we talk to in horror is like just. I mean, it's like you know, yeah, this gruesome genre is just full of friendly people. You brought that up before. No, you yeah, bring it up all the time. I'm always no, blown away. Everyone we talk to in horror because because like, you're right. Cool. We 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 did when um not talking about like ourselves, but we did we we finally came together and did release a film that made it to the the festival circuit. And where and what was funny is th- that you know like yeah people enjoyed the film but it was the people in the horror community that were the most supportive that were yeah. the nicest that were willing to make the most introductions that were you know just shirt off their back type people it was it was the horror folks so that's yeah so that's crazy so then you know you may not have been looking for it of course and then you're just like you know what what the hell let's go all in and the horror community's been good to you you know. The horror community has been phenomenal. It really is. I love what you guys said. And, it, you know, in comedy, and we could have a whole other podcast <laughs> yeah. around that. Like, we could. I mean, I know the comedy world a lot, having done a network sitcom and having pitched network sitcoms in Hollywood. Like, you know, because I have a whole other side to me, as you know, about producing and my oh, yeah, production sure. company, Philly, Proud Philly Trick Pictures. But <laughs> so, you know, what it is, I think, is it's very, very hard to break into comedy. Comedy is very specific. Comedy in indie film doesn't always translate, it doesn't translate to other countries and territories. So it's a very specific market. Uh, whereas horror, I think expands. That's something I love about horror. And I'm asked that a lot because, you know, I love that. uh, Listen, I'm not a gratuitous poor blood on my boobs kind of gal. That's never been me. It's not my taste to watch. It's not my taste to act in. I'm much more like, and that's one thing Stacey and I bonded on many years ago. We're like Brian De Palma junkies, right? Go blow out Mm. Philly here. I'm such a proud Philly chick. Blow out, man. Like Brian De Palma fantastic. Brilliant. Brilliant, yep. right? With the, uh, every, like just the whole mystery thrill. I mean, I'm a Hitchcock junkie. Hmm. So that's my jam. But what that's what I love about horror is that horror has so many facets and so many like sub umbrella. Yeah. You know, you can do thriller, you can do mystery, you can do crime, you can do gore. You can, I mean, and, and so many, you can do comedy, you know, and it still falls. You can do psychological, uh, like psychotherapy, and it still falls into the horror genre. And that is something that I love about it. And I do think, unfortunately, although it's changing, I I mean, really, we both know, we all know, like, you know, Blumhouse and Jordan Peele have changed this so dramatically and it's amazing, oh, yeah. you know, become so much more mainstream, right? But like, it used to be back in the day, and even when I started, you know, like, 
it's a community, it's like a fraternity. And I think we're a little bit of the underdogs and something that I love for any female listeners out there, you know, I'm all about speaking, I'm a celebrity ambassador for the Breaking the Chains Foundation about body image and self-esteem. And so one thing I've always loved, like, listen, I'm a short half Italian girl from Philly, you know, curvy, voluptuous, you know, wild, crazy hair. Like I've never been the Hollywood girl next door and I never will be, and that's okay. And so something I always felt that I loved about horror was how it embraced women of curves. It loves that pinup, that old school pinup Betty Page look, you know, (laughs) and right. And so I've always really loved being in that world too. So I really do think that in many ways it supports like the underdog. I think you don't have to have a specific look to be famous in the horror genre, you know, and I think if you do have talent and if you do have taste and you can maneuver it to your advantage, like I did in a positive way, I think, and like Stacey and I do when we collaborate together, you know, in in supporting women and and creating powerful roles for women. A lot of mainstream media and television and film doesn't do that even to this day in 2022. So it's something that I really am proud of with the horror world. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's actually heading into when, of course, we're going to talk about the reason you're here, the second age of Aquarius. We will get to that. But one, um, just because you have so much knowledge of the inside of the business, when you say, because I like I tried to get this out of other, um, we spoke to William Sadler, who was, you know, he was promoting Bill and Ted. He's Mm -hmm. awesome. But he didn't really answer the question. And I am so curious about this. So they made him a producer of the film. And I, and so when I asked him, I was just like, oh, and you actually even produced on this one. He's like, oh, yeah, it's so kind that they did that. And it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? So when you are producer of a film or executive producer of a film or actor in the film, like when you have all those titles in your like umbrella, like your name's there, Brooke Lewis Bellis on the screen, and it says executive producer, co-produced by, produced, like what is the difference? But Like what, what earns you that title? Like what did you have to do to get your name with producer in front of it? You guys are asking the right wrong person this question because we will we will I will come back and we'll do another show and we can cover this in detail I'm happy to no you really did ask the right wrong person because this is ready you want the Philly chick to come out because I'm (laughs) the nicest sweetest girl in the world and you know that but like you hit a nerve and like freaking Philly Uh will come out and like destroy right so, so here's the deal. And this is a really huge bone of contention with me and other actors won't answer it because it's not PC and they won't answer it specifically if they're not doing the physical producing. <laughs> so I am, <laughs> I have been freaking producing and busting my big butt for over 20 years doing it. I've had my Philly Chick Pictures production company 20 years to this day. And so for me, it is such a bone of contention because I'm real deal, I'm legit, and I do it. What's happening now, and to answer you authentically, is that somehow the producer and executive 
producer and co-producer, all of the producer titles are being thrown around because it began in Hollywood when actors said like, you know, I don't want to name anyone, but we'll take a Tom Cruise, for example, you know, we'll say, and this is years ago, you know, we'll say, oh, okay, well, instead of taking, I mean, it really does trickle down from the top and they'll say, okay, instead of taking, you know, my $20 million fee, give me 15 million and put the other 5 million back in the film and give me an executive producer credit. So people like me who are busting their ass doing the real deal producing are the ones who actually fall by the wayside and don't get acknowledged. So whatever you guys did like for your indie stuff, right? Mm. Picture that 10 and respectfully, I say this like tenfold on, you know, dealing with on a larger scale, usually financial, larger scale, you know, it really should go to the people who do the physical work or who go out and bust their ass. Like I'll share this legit, like back in the day, you know, and I used to, before the economy crashed, I'm talking like 2008, 2009 with my production company, I would literally like make money. I would stash, you know, for each project, like 30 grand away for development seed money that I earned on my own. Okay. And that's nothing, right? That's a small production company. And I would go out and I would take that and I would court investors. I would have, you know, whether banks, hedge funds, I mean, there's so many variables when it comes to like raising financing. Right. And I would literally take like doctors and real estate people and anyone who was interested in investing films to a $500 steak dinner and, you know, pitch them the project, show them our business plans. You know, now it's like a lookbook, it's different, but, and I would raise money of all varieties. I mean, Sinatra Club, my partners and I raised like a million dollars ourselves, just taking it to a small studio. Other projects like in iMurders, I had several different investors that I went to to help attach financing. And I became an executive producer with Robbie Bryan, who was my wonderful director and the producer. So a bunch of different people raised chunks of money. It took years. Let me say this. I was one of the head producers on Sinatra Club, which is an almost $2 million film. I found that script in 2004. Hmm. We shot it in 2009. It was delivered and distributed in 2011. So you guys and listeners do the math. That is seven years of my life. That's what a producer does. I murders took us almost four years. So you're talking about, so to get into a quick detail to answer your question on a technical level. So typically an executive producer will raise financing and we'll also over, when I'm executive producing, for example, we'll talk about the second age of Aquarius, which I was also sort of a producer in some capacity because I was on the day-to-day with them as well, except I wasn't doing like, I don't do, I'm not a line producer or anything like that. That was our wonderful Nancy Long who ran the show on set. So like an EP, I will not only raise financing, but I will oversee the production so that they can run everything by me. And, you know, someone sort of like kind of with experience, like, you know, overseeing stuff and helping, assisting, referring, a lot of referrals, stuff like that. Then when you're actually producer, and now it's changed a lot because of Producers Guild, et cetera, like a physical producer or produced by is the person or people who are literally doing the physical manual labor day to day, day in, day out, from development and pre-production to post-production and deliverables and delivery. So that is the, to me, the most challenging job in the physical person who's like running the entire show and 
oftentimes many people, as you see, but they are the ones who everything, you know, line producers are doing the budgets and they're crewing up. And then you've got the co-producers who are, you know, I don't want to say assisting the producer because I've been a co-producer on many projects, which for me, I've both raised some financing. I've done all the day-to-day with my producer and directors, you know, so, but you're just not in the full authority position as you are a producer or an executive producer. And then an associate producer would be assisting, would be an assistant mm-hmm. to help, right. you know, the producer director. So there's like the basic technical information if you're asking, but nowadays, unfortunately, and it infuriates me because I mean, I'm sorry, and this is going to sound awful, but I'm saying it. I know so many actor, actress peers who have, I look, <laughs> I look at like IMDb and I'm very, as you know, I'm very professional is I can have fun, like the best of them but I know the deal and like sure, when yeah. I go and I see right like one of our peers and he or she has 30 producer full producer or EP credits inside of a year you guys <laughs> heard me just say it took me seven years yeah. to produce Sinatra Club four years to produce I Murders three or four years for us fully with Kinky Killers Second Age of Aquarius, Stacey and I, we've got, and Darren, oh my God, I mean, they were even developing creatively, writing and doing the music. Darren's been working on the music for like four years or five years. And then I came on board as an EP and I've been helping them produce as well and oversee with them. And like, we have all been busting our butts. We started this in 2019. So three years ago, almost. So if anyone has 30 producer credits inside of a year, unless you're, you know, Blumhouse, because then obviously like yeah. Jason Blumhouse, you know, they're sure. overseeing, you know, 50 projects at once that that's his company. He can take that credit and he earned it, you know, sure. Absolutely. But like, right. But for indie people, like that is, I, I'm sorry, you know, when you see that and it's some indie horror actor and they have 30 producer credits in a year, they are simply getting a credit that the company is handing over to them. Respectfully, you know, I understand to a degree if you are a known veteran horror star and you are used to getting $10,000 a day and someone can only pay you five. So you agree to take half your pay and then Mm. you are, so then let's say you're five days on it, you took half your pay, that's $25,000 that you're putting back into the film instead to get an executive producer credit. I can, I'm okay with that. Like I really, I'm okay with that because they invested, right? So to answer you back to me, (laughs) and I don't mean to like be, you know, preaching here, but it is a great question, something I'm happy to answer and get into more detail next time. You know, for me, like Second Age of Aquarius, great great segue. You know, I Mm -hmm. raised financing for the film. I believed in it. I believe in Stacy. She's not only one of my best friends, she's such a talent. And I was a huge fan of Darren Gordon Smith for many years with Repo, the genetic opera. And I absolutely love Nancy, his wife, who really impressed me as a full producer, producer. And um, I actually, funny enough, at the time was leaving to go to Reno, Nevada for the month of December 2019 to go film a, to film and play one of the leads in a sitcom titled Stripped that my buddy Mark Klebanoff, who's directed yeah. me in a few things over the years, he wrote and directed with Christoph St. John, rest in peace. And so we were going, I was starring in it opposite Casper Van Dien and Louis Mandalore and Larry Henkin to get just an incredible group. And so we were leaving. So I couldn't even be fully on set with the second age of Aquarius the whole time. So 
you know, that's where the producers and the line producer, like Nancy Long and stuff, has to really, and Stacey, Stacey's doing producing along with directing and stuff like that. And so, but then I've been a part of everything, you know, overseeing since before and since and what have you. So I raised financing for them. And also, you know, again, in helping with everything, like Stacey and I have been doing all the publicity mm-hmm. and in delivering, you know, I was able to connect them with my E&O insurance group and, you know, like little <laughs> mm-hmm. things like that, but they're so important, you know, and to discuss decisions, like when you face walls as producers and you need to collaborate and you need to all raise more money together and all of that, So that's really what we do. And that's what, you know, I was so impressed with the second age of Aquarius script when I first read it. And I know that they had had another financier that had pulled out or fallen through. And I, my, one of my rules as an actress in Philly Chick Pictures is I don't produce anything I don't act in and it has to mm. be a great role. And it doesn't have to be a lead, but it has to be a great role. Mm. Yeah. And Stacy writes me such great roles. Like you guys know with psychotherapy. Sure. And when she was like, read the script, I was like, what can I do to help? And she's like, read the script. So I did. And they actually embellished my role of Tawny Stevens. She and Darren wrote it specifically for me. And I just fell in love. I felt, for me, I'm always so seduced by a great role and I'm a character actress and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the script and here we are three years later. That's what, it it seems like, it's just funny, I've heard the second age of Aquarius uh, just um, from social media for for the longest time and then you Mm -hmm. and Stacey talking about it. And and it's just like, huh? And and it's just, it's not funny, but it's like you you think of what happened in between from the first time I heard about that. It's just like, oh, I guess this is coming out. Oh, I guess, the, and then no, like nothing for for two years. And that's um, not your guys' fault. I'm saying it's just like what whatever happened to this. And then mm-hmm. boom, like here we are. Here it is. <laughs> and that's what that. And I hope that I I didn't scare you and the listeners when I gave a very honest answer about <laughs> what producers do. Sure. Um, But that is, you know, again, what it takes. Again, every feature film that I've been involved in as a producer, executive producer, co-producer, it has taken somewhere from two years to look at Sinatra Club, seven years from the time you're in development and production and pre-production production production to post-production and delivery. And, you know, things happen. Mm -hmm. I mean... And they just do. Like, I've got another project that I am right now that we shot a proof of concept shout out, and you guys know all about this, Red Rooms. It's a limited web series. And I know I want to get back to Second Age of Aquarius real quick, but Red Rooms will be finally coming out this year. And again, we shot, same time I shot, I shot a proof of concept with my director, Joshua Butler, in October of 2019. We shot the Second Age of Aquarius, Stacey and I, my scenes, November 2019 because we had to shoot before I left to go to Reno, Nevada to star in the Casper Van Dien stripped pilot. And like, this is how crazy it gets. And then, you know, so I'm like literally in Reno, Nevada working on that and then checking in, you know, via phone and internet with Stacy and the Second Age of Aquarius team while we're, you know, in post-production, Josh is in post-production on the Red Room's proof of concept. I mean, and that's how crazy and that's how much work it is. And then, then I chose during the crust of the pandemic because I was freaking I'm like I have 
acted in all these projects in fall of 2019. What are we going to do? We can't just let them lie. We have to bring it to fruition and we're in a pandemic. And then we chose, I said, Joshua Butler, I am not, we are not letting this proof of concept sit. We're going to tweak it. We're going to make it work. We're going to shoot a virtual limited web series during pandemic. And we will make this work. I Philly Chick Pictures will executive produce it, produce it. And that is what we did. We filmed all through the pandemic and wow. with incredible wow. horror stars. It's, it's an absolute horror thriller, wow. um, mystery horror thriller. It's really smart. I'm really proud of it. It's virtual. It's a micro-budgeted piece that is what it was meant to be and something just incredibly entertaining and smart. And I mean, shout out to the horror stars that I'm proud that we put together with that. We have David Alpay from The Vampire Diaries. We have my amazing Susan Lanier Bramlett from the original Hills Have Eyes. We have Ricky Dean Logan, who I start opposite in psychotherapy, who from, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. We have the, these people are so talented. Ricky's brilliant, all of them. Noah Blake, another super talent. He was like in all the, I mean, from Harry and the Hendersons to Teen Witch, Teen Wolf, all those shows when he, he was young. And he's still doing horror films, like just an incredible, incredible group. And so that I literally just signed a deal in January for distribution. And so I'm in the middle of, I'm working today on a Sunday, you know, I, in the <laughs> middle yeah. of delivering this, right? We all do it in the middle of delivering this piece. And so it just never ends, you know, and when delivery comes and I can't say who our distributor is just yet, but uh, I will in the future, but like, <laughs> I'm so excited to just have signed a deal finally because then delivery comes. And I mean, the work that it takes to deliver a project, it's unbelievable. And yeah. it takes an army to do it. And people don't understand. They think you just film and then like you slop it on to the internet streaming now. That's <laughs> not how it works, <laughs> you know? And so if you're doing it at a professional level, you're doing it right. And right takes time, takes money, <laughs> takes energy. And that is what I have to say. And so here we are again, three years later, well, whatever, you know, um, Red Rooms is two years later, but we started shooting the proof of concept two and a half years ago, just like Second Age of Aquarius. We started shooting, you know, yeah. two and a half years ago. That's what it takes. Yeah, so that's just such a haul. <laughs> like, like, yep. Yeah. It's amazing because I always yep. I tell the story it all the amazing. time on the show. It's like after we did our first indie, it's like I can't, I got cast in another one. That's right, and it's still shelved. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was just like, oh, so, that's where we're gonna ride the wave. So, so our star, our star, Joe stepped up big. Was did a fantastic job in our in our comedy <laughs> called Auto Shop. So he's just like, well, I, I really like this. I want you know, I'm going out for this other this other uh, this other part. Gets it, and we're just like, we're all excited. Oh, wow. we're just like, all right, what are we gonna see it? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Like we could get into a whole distribution show as well. Oh, yeah. as, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, because nowadays, you know, people can put, and that is, that is again, okay. Again, segueing around to listen, who am I to take away a producer, executive producer credit away from some young kid right out of college, yeah. you know, who is technically literally the producer who made three YouTube videos. Well, in a sense, 
that kid produced. It did the work. Probably, right, did the work, maybe raised $5,000 from his uncle and he's an executive producer now. You know, <laughs> so that is the blessing and the curse of, listen, when I came up in this world, it was a very different game, very different game. You know, and fortunately still, it's not like just, you know, any random people can get their stuff like I have in the past, like we have. I mean, look again, and I say this humbly, but it's the truth from Kinky Killers on Showtime to iMurders on you know, from Stars in Anchor Bay and now Lionsgate to Sinatra Club on Netflix. I mean, you just can't do that. You know, it just doesn't happen. Right. It's not how it works. There's there's a business to the business. So segueing around, I actually love and I'm thrilled. And, you know, it was conversation after conversation with the second age of Aquarius. You know, it's a low budget piece um, and it's really clever, really sweet, really smart. And we are distributed through Entertainment Squad. And so what they're doing, so, so you know, again, you have a choice as a filmmaker. And again, Stacey Lane Wilson is the leader. She's the, the director. She and Darren Gordon-Smith are the writers. You know, they own the product. And so they get to make the final decisions in the end. And yeah. so they wanted, you know, and I completely support this and understand, like their, their mission was let's get it out and let's get it out in the right way in the best way sooner than later. So I think that's a good segue and for filmmakers listening to where this is and, and you know, that we are shout out February 11th. We yes. are releasing. And so, yes, we are so yes. excited. And <laughs> right, we, everybody check us out on Amazon Prime primarily, but also like iTunes, Google Play, Voodoo, you name it, we're on it. So you see what they chose to do owning the product is get it out you know whereas mm. we could could we for any filmmakers listening like could we have waited for you know and kept you know pounding the pavements and fighting for a bigger deal could we have waited to finally get on a showtime deal those deals like it came with kinky killers and again guys listeners we shot that on film on film mm. we had wow. oscar nominated actors in it like so the days of films just getting on to hbo showtime you know stars are really challenging. It's really challenging. Uh, so you can wait forever. Like you guys, I heard you say, you know, so your one of your projects is still sitting on a shelf. <laughs> wait, or you take the opportunity and you do what, you know, Stacey, Darren and Nancy chose to do with Aquarius, the second age of Aquarius, and you get it out. And I think they did a stellar job of getting a streaming deal, you know, and I'm all in support of it. And so we get to release to the world and I think get a lot of eyeballs when it comes to like Amazon Prime streaming, which is not easy to do mm. these days. Good luck even getting on Amazon Prime unless you want to self-distribute and then you're not going to have any meteor eyeballs. So I think this is a really smart way to do it on multiple streaming platforms. And I'm super, super excited for it to come out on February 11th and be like this. And and I'm so excited because they're making it sort of like this um, little Valentine's Day, you know, love fest. Because it has music and comedy and love and it's quirky and it's so raw. (laughs) And and I got to shout out, I mean, so Christina Jacqueline Kalf or Christina Kalf, she's the lead. She is so talented. It's so beautiful. So she does such an incredible job with the material that Stacey and Darren wrote, which is, of course, genius and and really 
carries over into a variety of different generations. Like I really honestly can say, and I'm so proud to be a part of it, that families can watch it together, you know. And Michael Ursu, who's like mm. an up-and-coming new guy who is like this mega talent musician and and so cute and sweet and is his delivery so authentic and real. And the two of them are the leads. I mean, so much of this film takes place around the two. And then the other quirky characters, I mean, myself, I get to play Tawny Stevens. Wait, I just have to share this Tawny. for all your Philly Jersey. <laughs> Tawny Stevens Tawny. for all your Philly Jersey listeners. Check this out. So so Alberta Christina is the lead and she is, we'll say she's like, you know, in her late twenties. And so I had her very, very young when I was probably like 17, you know, and so so I was aspiring at the time to be a video vixen in the 80s. So <laughs> I was aspiring to be a video vixen. It's so funny. Like they just wrote it so well. And then we embellished it. And, and Stacey and I played with my hair and makeup and costumes, all that. So I'm her mom. She left New Jersey. It takes place. I was, I'm in New Jersey still. I'm like a Jersey, you know, 80s rocker mom mm-hmm. stuck in the 80s. And Alberta went across country because she's a brilliant like computer programmer and tech, you know, gal. And so, but what I also love about this on a more serious note is she suffers from agoraphobia and, you know, coming from chaos as a kid and a single mom who we're not sure who her dad may have been, you know, I was this aspiring like groupie and so she goes across country. And I think there's so much to be said about all of this, everything I'm saying, you know, in the heart, in the comedy too. And she goes and she creates like, I know they equate it to like a weird science, which is so brilliant. And she creates like a hologram, an avatar of Russell Aquarius from one of her favorite bands with Nana. And I don't want to give too many spoiler alerts, but when she was a little girl, she would listen to Russell Aquarius, you know, think like a, you know, Led Zeppelin or a Grateful Dead, right? Mm-hmm. And so she loved this music because Nana, my mother, really raised her because I was so young. And so there's that. So there's all these like crossover generational things. And Stacey and Darren just... The writing is so smart and it's so funny and so quirky, but it's really smart. And so they really bring up so many topics in directly and in the subtext of the script, you know, about the changes that, I mean, you go from the 70s, 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever to now and God, what what a difference, you know? And let me say this, I mean, like I'm sitting here thinking and I said it when I first read the script, I'm like, you guys are crazy visionaries because who would ever think that all of a sudden there would be these like holograms, right? And now you turn around and every time I turn on the TV, there's a, a TV show, Alter Ego, with holograms. And then they're like making concerts and charging people $100 it's, to see like Whitney it, Houston's that's holograms. That's what I'm, no, I was just going to say that. Right? How crazy is this? So I'm, I'm, you know, I get an email from one of our local concert promoters and it's just like, Oh, check out Roy Orbison, you know, at the Scottish Rite. I'm like, what? I'm like, Roy Orbison. So I click on the link and it's freaking Roy Orbison projected onto the stage playing. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it's like, it's, it's like you're watching a hologram in concert. That's insane. <laughs> That's correct. And so 
that is what, again, without giving too many spoilers, sure. I mean, and that's how smart Stacey and Darren were years ago when they started writing this piece before I think any of this craziness happened. So it really does show so many layers and it's, you know, Alberta has so many sides, but the fun quirkiness, the, the, it's just so smart in what they've created. And then I got a shout out to Nina Hurton, who is our editor who created a lot of these graphics and the hologram. And so like an avatar and she's super talented. She and Stacy are very close and they collaborated together on Stacy's documentary, the ventures, you know, the yes. um, so, and Nina worked on that with her. So she, that was a blessing and a half to have her come on to this project as well. And so just, I mean, everybody, like really, there's so many fun, quirky characters. And, you know, I, there, I would have to be remiss if I missed anyone, so I won't really shout out to anybody else, but they're, these two are the leads and they're fantastic and their chemistry is great and they're really funny. And then, you know, just shout out to so many Keishan Giles. And then we got Drew McEnany, my buddy from Philly, you know, in this <laughs> one too. And uh, Del from Dark Del, Del Housen from, you know, Dark Delicacies, the famous, famous mm -hmm. horror shop in Hollywood and just really and Nan huh. shout out to Nancy Nancy Long Nancy stepped in and someone else was originally cast and she couldn't play the role and she stepped into the role of Helen and she's hilarious and then Martin Olson who's an Emmy nominated mm -hmm. for um is it Phineas and I'm gonna say it wrong Phineas and Ferb right yeah no you got it because you know Jonah's cartoons I don't you got really it know. Is that a cartoon? Yeah, Phineas okay, and Ferb. Okay. See, I don't either. Yeah. So Phineas, I don't have any kids. So Phineas and Ferb. So he's like one of the creators and writers. And Phineas, like, so they got, That's so awesome. Stacey met him at a party and <laughs> was like, you are the perfect look for Sid, who was back in the day, Russell Aquarius's agent or manager, whatever. So like, it's just, it's just smart. It's well, so, just really smart. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you, I, I'm I'm looking forward to watching it because like the thing about this before reading anything the first thing I saw was the poster for it. Yes, and I think it's just so vibrant that it's like it's gonna get clicks just out of curiosity. Like I'm so happy that's gonna oh, be on all those stream platforms. I just feel yeah. it's gonna get those. It just, it draws you in just from like looking at that poster. So I'm like I'm like yeah, it's gonna be fun. And then also everything I've ever read that Stacy's written's. That, and that's fantastic. So, um, well, that's the thing, and you know it's going to be legit because like, there's one thing I know, and that's like, I always when Stacy says, you know, oh, I have like a project coming out or something, you know, check it out if you want that kind of thing. It's just like I know that okay, I have to literally, you know, pay attention, and actually like listen, view, write, like make sure I'm doing it of a certain caliber because I know she's gonna be like. She, she's gonna like I know she knows the business and she knows all of that like you said mm -hmm. the poster like she knows that so well that I always feel like it's just like oh god well she's asking me to watch this I better bring my A game <laughs> you know what I mean? like I get nervous on my side yeah. I love that <laughs> makes I any sense I love that yeah and you know I couldn't agree more about the poster and shout out to both Stacy and Aaron Kai yes who designed it I was like, hoping he such... would I didn't want to say it I figured you would know 
Yep. Yes, Aaron Kai. I mean, he's such an incredible artistic talent too. It's just such an incredible group of artists. And that's, I think, the most beautiful part of it. And yes, the poster is phenomenal. I love what you're saying. And what I loved when she sent out a couple different, they sent out early on, you know, a couple different options to all of us producers and we get to choose and we picked like two out of six or whatever it was. And like, you know, the first thing that struck me too, which I agree with you, is so important for the selling point mm-hmm. of any project is that, you know, it it screams to me, it screams positivity. It screams fun. It screams like back in the day. And I think right now, and that's what I love so much. I mean, look, you know, no, here's the other thing. Like no one's trying to pretend that this is a $10 million film. It's a low budget sure. film, you know, so people need to understand the difference and like, you know, and what, what this team has created with a low budget is incredible because it has so much heart. It's just so positive. And I think right now we're all really, really needing that, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. and I, I, you know what I mean? After this, let's, I mean, let's say that he didn't even talk about it anymore, but after the freaking crazy pandemic, it's like, you know, people just need some positivity. And this is exemplary of that. I also love that the quirkiness, which makes you laugh. But like you're saying, I mean, Stacey and Darren both are so smart. They're so witty. So they write like, yes, like you said, they're going to bring their A game. And one thing I love too about working with Stacey, and I really love this about psychotherapy, like she, well, first of all, she knows exactly how to light me. She's the best. Like she knows, <laughs> she knows how picky I am, but she knows what a pro I am. And she knows I'm picky as hell about my lighting and, you she, know, but she, and my angles, right? Yep. What were you going to say? No, yeah. no, no, no. But, I'm saying yeah she's 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 the like she has to bring her a game too <laughs> yes and yep. she is so good with color schemes i mean i'm telling you i think like in her past like like she's such a great aesthetically yeah. she's amazing she's such a great photographer she knows art direction so incredibly well and like that's one thing i mean i think psychotherapy is just so beautifully shot and like all the color schemes and everything. So she's really, really good at that kind of stuff. And so here we are again, another project where that's all like beautifully designed and taken care of. And so we've got all of that. And um, I love too that, you know, Alberta, my daughter in the film, you know, is she's really like the the lead and she's a badass female, you know, so that's mm-hmm. another thing to shout out to the whole cast and crew. I think everyone was very smart in all of, I'll include myself in all of our choices. Like, so, you know, they wrote this incredible female character for her. And they also, I mean, again, with keeping in with inclusivity and having people of all colors, ages, sizes, you know, it's just, it just is relevant and the perfect timing for all of it. And then, I mean, again, I've got to continue to shout out, wait until you guys hear Darren Gordon Smith's music and these <laughs> these really original, his original songs. And you're talking, you know, again, we've discussed this in meetings like about budget. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> of music composition and his music that he wrote for this specifically that he and Michael Ursu, who plays Russell Aquarius, when, I mean, they spent weeks in the recording studio, you know, and recording recorded all this original music that is like, it should be its own, you know, little concert tour. You know what I mean? So again, what, 
this crew has created. And I'm just grateful to a have had such an incredible acting role playing Tawny Stevens in it, but also Mm -hmm. being a part of the whole creative, you know, and business part of this to know that something was made with so much, I always say heart and art is really a phenomenal feat, especially right now. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be so cool, like, because, like, it must have been, you know, not only, like, putting in all the hard work, but, like, working with all the pe- all those people you knew, like, just adds, like, that little, like, fun element to the full, the full process, right? I mean. You know, I think that's, that's a great point. So, like, I knew, so funny, so, I mean, Stacey and I are best friends for many, many years, and we collaborate together, and then mm-hmm. Stacey and Darren Gordon-Smith are best friends and have worked together before and collaborated together. And so, I only know Darren and Nancy from, you know, socially through Stacey yeah. and going to Stacey's birthday parties and, and premieres and stuff, and they've all, I've loved them. They've always been so much fun and funny. Darren's always been so funny and quirky to talk to, you know, and so I've always appreciated them in a personal capacity, but this is the first time I've gotten to work with them, you know? And so it was really interesting because so many people did sort of, and yes, it's a great point because when you have a low budget film, you know, you need people, you need to know people that you know you can work with, like Richard Trejo. You know, Richard Trejo was cast in a supporting little role. I shouldn't say little, but a supporting role, (laughs) you know? And And then last minute, something had fallen out with our DP and he stepped up to the plate and like DP'd the hell out of this thing, you know? (laughs) So again, look at what that does. And then of course, you know, I'm bringing in my Philly buddy, Drew McEnany, you know, and I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, we got to find something for Drew. And then, you know, Stacey, of course, you know, Aaron does a role. (laughs) Again, Dell from Dark Dell, Dark Delicacies, who gosh, I cast in the horror fans, again, the cult classic horror fans, I brought Dell in to Fort Austin's Dahmer versus Gacy that I acted mm. in in 2008. So <laughs> it really does become, and then so-and-so knew so-and-so who brought in then someone else who was originally attached but couldn't do it, introduced Keishan Giles, who's such a talent, to Stacey. And then he came on board, you know, and, and did it anyway, you know, even yeah. when the other person wasn't in the film anymore. And then, again, when we lost our Helen and Nancy said, I'll step in, you know, and here's Nancy, our line producer and producer, and she steps in as Helen. So it really is so interesting how the indie world works. And when, again, I say this respectfully, when you don't have $10 million to hire the biggest casting directors in Hollywood, and you know, we are reliant on who you know, quote unquote. Yeah. And <laughs> that is a fact. And that happens, unfortunately, unfortunately, more times than we wish it would, you know, and Sometimes, like in this scenario, again, bringing, you know, Stacy, bringing Nina back in after her last project because she knew they could work well together. Like, you know, me bringing in my E&O insurance company that we did, you know, Acker, we did use for Sinatra Club. Like, so you know people are going to help you out, support you. You know that they're real deal. And that's a lot to be said <laughs> for, especially in Hollywood. Let me tell you, we're not in Philly anymore, yeah. you know? And so, I mean, what you guys experience other places in Philly and smaller, you know, markets, like try tenfold in, in Hollywood. And I've been here long enough and have worked a lot to know that people are not always on the up and up. They're not always acting with integrity. It doesn't matter where yeah. you are, but really, especially in Hollywood, you know? And so I've been on so many film experiences that I have been screwed over six ways to Tuesday. And so when you find a team like this, that is, listen, none of us did this because we're going to, because we're being paid $5 million mm-hmm. each, you know, mm-hmm. we did it because we 
believe in a script. You know, we believe in Stacey and Darren and their work. We believe in a story that has so much heart that deserves to be told. We believe in the music that, you know, Darren wrote that's so much fun. And so that's why we do it. Well, hell yeah. The film is the second age of Aquarius. <laughs> spoiler alert, spoiler alert. We will be speaking with Darren Smith in the uh, next few weeks. We will. So That's you're going to be exciting. hearing about Darren. You're going to get to meet Darren. Yes. Very soon. And then yeah. also. Yeah, he's got a lot of great stories to tell. I'm glad that he's coming on solo because yeah. he's got, uh, I mean, you got to talk to him about Repo, the genetic opera, oh, yeah. and <laughs> all about his music and writing. Yeah, I mean, so, he's an author. Like, he's just got so much, too, that. I think it's it's really great that you're having him on yeah. to, so, so I to have, do his thing. I have one more question. Do you have one more question? Well, I'm just saying it's just going to be so so great to like have that. We got to have Brooke back. As we do soon because there's just so much in. We've only like scratched the surface, and, we, you know, <laughs> and we're getting excited for Second Age of Aquarius. Yes, um, which is coming mm-hmm. out. We'll yeah. see that. Um, and then, so my question was just because. Um, uh, selfishly, we we have to ask only because we, as you can tell, do not look like you do. Okay, bro. <laughs> so, what what would what would be your tip to organically grow the Red River Horror social media? Oh boy, that's like asking me. You're asking the right wrong person. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> Again, that's well, like ask. I need that T-shirt. That's like asking me about what a real producer does. Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> so, you need that. You know what? I'm going to, I am going to, so, you so know, I you know this you, online marketing space better than most I do. people. So I'm, I do, I had to I ask. Do. And what, I, no, and I'm glad you did. So a couple things. So for one, and just to be clear again, and I'm honest, like you guys see me, I make one post. I am legit. And that's why I only <laughs> post maybe twice a week on Insta- Instagram. We'll talk about Twitter's a little easier. Instagram is so intense, you know, and again, after working as a actress producer for 20, 25 years, you know, I have, I'm blessed with a big fan base that follows me everywhere, et cetera. That separate, however, I have to work my butt off. I am on there. My husband, it'll be midnight and I'm still responding to fans, comments and stuff on Instagram. I probably spend on each post about four hours that day. It is like a part-time job. Okay. You have to put the work in. So there is that. It is about, again, the work. It is like nowadays you got to try. I treat it like as if it's like my little, (laughs) you know, TV station, TV network. However, however, there are other things I do believe in. And if I, the first thing I want to, I want to begin with a positive that I believe in all my heart. And I steal this from Oprah Winfrey. Like <laughs> I believe in, uh, here, I'll steal it from uh, um, Field of Dreams, better yet. Like, you know, with Oprah would say like, and I have to, I have to check myself all the time. Cause trust me, I get like angst all the, I am a nervous Nelly. I get angst all the time. I get anxious. I look at other people. I go, how come that person, you know, I have more credits, you know, and have done more. And that person has more followers or fans or this or that. We cannot get caught up in that. I have to catch myself on a daily. So what I truly, truly believe is that we each need to, if we stay true and authentic to just do what we love. You guys are, you know, creators, producers, hosts of this Red River Horror Podcast show. If you keep doing what you're doing and do it long enough and trust it and just stay true and and bring your heart and bring your A-game each week, 
it will grow organically and so will your social media. And that is what I truly believe in my heart and soul. And I tell myself that every day, Brooke, do what you love, keep acting, produce projects that inspire you, work with people that inspire you and that support each other. And the rest will take shape and form. And I got to tell you, it actually does. That aside, it does take hard work. The other thing is to, okay, so now I'm going to give you my, my producer brain to answer you directly. <laughs> the business how side. How do you build? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you do want to start creating relationships and reaching out to publicists. Uh, you want to get, you know, bigger named talent on to your show as guests. And that would be usually through PR companies. However, nowadays, and listen, it happens to me, even at my level, you know, every day I'm getting DM'd by six podcasters or radio hosts going, can you come on our show? So, you know, and I had a publicist for 15 years. So like you can do it now. There are ways to do it now without even going that route. But I do believe that a PR company can really help you. So you probably want to start reaching out to publicists and get bigger names to come on in that capacity or reach out to better yet for you guys, even reach out to, you know, anyone who's sort of a veteran in this industry. Like I am with, I have a booking agent, appearance agent, right. Yeah. I'm with cool water. Shout out to Derek. There's so many, I mean, convention, all stars, you name it, start reaching out to them that represent a lot of horror talent and see if they are interested in having any of their clients on as guests. I think that would be a great thing to do. So the more you build that and the more you get people who will promote, like, you know, I will always, when this airs, like I'm going to promote it and I'm going to post it. That should draw traffic to you. And that's how we all have to build. That's Mm. the only way to do it. We that's do it together. I think, I think I yeah. I open the show with when we have an interview. Yeah, that's when most people listen. It's like they they like Joe and I, but they they also they want to hear what you have to say, oh, and yeah. that's that's why. It, so you have to forgive me, Brooke. That's why I'm I'm so grateful for your time. Yeah, and you've been very generous with it. But I I always have to to needle and ask those questions because there's so much that I need to learn both in the film space, in the marketing space, the the whole nine. And I know you kind of encompass all of that. So thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. And I appreciate it so much. And thank you for even giving me the, you know, respect to say that I know my stuff because I do. And I don't think I'm always acknowledged for that part of it. It's more, you know, people see me as a scream queen and actress. So I'm very grateful. Um, And I think it's great that you ask. And I actually think it's wonderful because so many times I've been on, I mean, I've done thousands of interviews in my career and it's worse when people think they know everything mm. and they don't ask. And then all we do is fail, you know? And so I, I want to acknowledge you. I think it's wonderful that you do inquire. And again, you ask the right wrong person. Cause you know, I'm a straight shooter. I'm a Philly chick. I love you guys. You know, I'm a fan <laughs> and I will always be honest with you and the listeners. So I hope I was able to bring some important knowledge to the table today. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke Lewis Bellis. Um, if you have any ideas, any anyone you want to hear us speak with, speak to, if you have any questions about the process, when we get to speak to people like Brooke, please let us know at redriverhorror at gmail.com. Of course, on Twitter, we're very active there. Mm-hmm. At Red River Horror. Joe, I'm going to sign off. You can take it away. Of course, and you can find me at Red River Joe on the Twitter. And this has been episode number 72. Oh, wait, wait. Ooh. Forgot the whole reason Brooke's here. The second, second age, age of Aquarius, Aquarius. <laughs> coming out on the February. Second age of Aquarius, <laughs> February eleventh on Prime Video, Voodoo. It's, you know, find it on a streaming option. You can't miss it. Again, that poster is vibrant. It's gorgeous. It's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward yes. to it. Yes, we're all looking forward to it. 
Brooke Lewis Bells, thank you so oh, much. One other quick, two other, oh, yeah. two other quick yeah. shout outs. Yeah. Don't forget, so for all the listeners too, on, on February 12th, it's Saturday, February 12th, and we're doing it at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So 1 oh. p.m. Pacific time. We're doing a Twitter party. So I'm going to bug you guys to help oh. us with that as well. We're doing a live party, Twitter party watch, where we're all watching the second age of Aquarius together and tweeting. So it's a Twitter party. So okay. hopefully your listeners and you guys will help us with that. And also, yeah. I just want to say thank you. You guys so much again thank you for having me thank you for always supporting me you're always posting my horror stuff i'm very very grateful and one other quick shout out i have to let you know for all the listeners mm-hmm. can't spoil it too much but february is women in horror month and Ooh. i am humbly humbly so excited to share i was nominated and chosen to be a part of terror cards if you guys go to terrorcards.com oh. it's so much fun i'm learning all about this kind of thing where they do digital trading cards and i'm actually <laughs> the trading card award if you get through the first like 14 you get to on the award card oh that's awesome congrats <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. It's Women of Darkness. Women of Darkness, everyone. So everybody go to terrorcards.com and check out Women of Darkness. And it starts, it goes the whole month of February for Women in Horror Month. So we will, and, come on, Red River Horror fans, like, check it out. And and you got to keep us honest here. So we, we've been, we were able to do Tony Todd Tuesday successfully because everybody in the horror space knows Tony Todd, Candyman, all that stuff. So as a boost to Stacy, because she's been so good to us, mm-hmm. we started hashtag Women in Horror Wednesday. And again, Again, just like as it's been the past few months, we haven't been keeping up with it. So February, we have to we do have it to. every single yes. Wednesday. No BS. Can't Joe. miss it. No BS. Yes. All and right. I will be, tag me and I will be <laughs> right there like on the feed to promote. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thank you, guys. Woo. Episode, Thank you, Philly. <laughs> episode number 72. Remember to keep traveling those channels of fear. <laughs>